welcome to Brainstorm. This is a podcast where we talk about the horrible and beautiful aspects of art making. So we encourage you to <laughs> trash your erasers and come with us through the wilderness of art making. I'm Caro Casal, and this is my co-host, Garrett Lai. Garrett, would you like to introduce Hi. yourself? Yes. Um, <laughs> I am Who a comic the artist. Who are you? Okay, okay. I'm a comic artist. I'm an illustrator. I'm a bicon, bisexual icon, and I'm a mukbang enthusiast. Okay, you need to explain what the fuck mukbang is, though. Because, like, mukbang? what? <laughs> okay, listen to this. Oh, I'm so uncomfortable. I'm so sorry. Okay. Oh, I don't like so, this. So, mukbang. <laughs> <laughs> mukbang is a Korean word for filming or recording yourself eating hmm. to feel like and it's it's for people who are lonely in their lives and they want to feel like they have someone to come home to and eat with so that oh is the God. reason these videos exist is because people are they are lonely and they want to come home and have dinner with somebody so they put on a mukbang and they just sit there and eat with each other. But it's more fun to have mukbangs wherein people talk and like you're just included in the eating conversation. So it's basically like going out to dinner with two people who just like fucking ignore you and eat and talk to each oh other. My God, this sounds like a Black Mirror episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a, yeah, that, yeah, it kind of does. That's so sad. I know. God, I mean, I, I guess I see the appeal. That sounds like my worst nightmare, though, is just like listening to like high def recordings of people eating. Yeah, it's not usually. Like it. It's not. It's not usually like recorded. It's normally. Oh, it's like a live stream. Yes, it's normally visual. So I'm kind of breaking the rules, but I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, I just downed, like, two vodka martinis, so we're in it right now. We're in a mukbang. We're oh. in a mukbang. Who are hey guys, you? welcome to our mukbang. <laughs> <laughs> mukbang. <laughs> mukbang. <laughs> My name is Scottle. I'm a monster enthusiast, an illustrator, and there has been a horny peacock outside my window for, like, a week now. Where the fuck do you live? Florida. These things happen in Florida. I didn't know. I mean, I think you told me once that peacocks were just around, but I forget yeah. this. And I'm just surprised you're not in like the African Sahara or something. <laughs> like I am Yeah. Or the there's Savannah, a, sorry. There's been like a thirsty ass peacock outside my window. It's like, I don't know, we just, I keep, I keep seeing this like rogue pack of males that roam around the neighborhood just being like and it's so fucking annoying. Okay, but how do you know that it's horny? Um, because that is, that's its mating call. Oh, okay. Got it. So, mm-hmm. uh, it's really yeah. embarrassing that other animals make sounds when they're horny. I know, right? I mean, I guess we do too, kind of. We just send it in, like, Tinder messages. We, like, slide into people's DMs and say really dumb shit. Well, yeah, and, like, it used to be just pickup lines at bars, but... I mean, involuntary, I'm horny 
coded down, <laughs> like encoded in our DNA, that other <laughs> that the like opposite sex can think of as being like, oh, that's my cue. Yeah, I mean, I guess we have language for that, and you can just say, "I'm horny," <laughs> like a little piss baby. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> like the piss baby you are. <laughs> exactly. Well, well, this ain't about piss babies and and horny peacocks this is about art making this is um yeah it is yep um (laughs) would you like to introduce the topic of today's episode yeah i could i could go on and on about horny peacocks but um (laughs) this podcast is called today nothing's new and that's okay and basically, we're talking about how art is just a r- 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 remix of everything else. So we want you to stop worrying about uniqueness and start worrying about, like, rising avocado prices or something. Because... It's a real danger to the, yeah. to the, to the native millennial. Yes. Worry about avocado prices or coronavirus or something. <laughs> <laughs> or both. Yeah, I'm I'm dating this podcast right now. I'm sorry about that. Uh, but oof. um so yeah, we're going to start off this isn't going to be as information overload as our other podcasts just because we are going to, you know, we want to take a breather, have some more fun and just talk about originality and just how we think that it manifests. I do have like a lot of cute quotes I'm probably going to spurt throughout. But Kato, how do you feel about originality? Well, nothing is fucking new. Yeah. And like, who cares? It honestly, who the fuck cares? Like, it doesn't matter that things aren't necessarily original. There are about 8 billion people in the world. So it's inevitable that you're going to share similar ideas or styles or whatever the case may be. So stop worrying about uniqueness because you're not necessarily going to find it. You're not as big a snowflake as you think you are, Deborah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so just worry about creating something that means something to you. Because I feel like people get so caught up in trying to be like a unique, avant-garde genius that it kind of stunts your growth. Because you spend all of your time kind of in this like cerebral, like, well, I have to come up with the best concept ever. I need to break the mold. But like, I don't You also become French, apparently. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's what happens if you worry <laughs> too much about originality. You get a really bad French accent. <laughs> but um, yeah, it just, it stunts your growth. So you should really worry instead about making something that is unique to you, right? Yes. Yeah, worry about your own perspective. Yeah, I think it's a real bad idea whenever in your art making you try to appeal to some imaginary audience. So you're kind of assuming in this sense that there's already an audience out there waiting for you to do something avant-garde, waiting for you to do something new, especially if you're starting off. That's a really, really limiting perspective to take because you're not doing it for yourself. You're kind of doing it for some imaginary audience that may or may not exist. I have a book here with me called Steal Like an Artist. It's by Austin Kleon. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of it, but it's actually pretty famous in just the general art making world. It's a cute little square toilet sized 
little mm. book. It's good for reading on the toilet. Very, Very portable. aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, it's just like something you put on the back of it when you're dumping and you just turn around, <laughs> grab it. It's great, honestly, and it'll make you get through the book, you know, because what, you read 15 pages at a time? Let me see how many pages this shit is. This is um, like 140 pages. And it's small, like all the pages are square. So little endorsement. Again, they're not sponsoring us, but just gotta... We're just just fans. Yeah, but on your topic, I think that originality as a concept is actually taken from everything that you take in as a person, whether that's other people's art, whether that is being in nature and listening to the sounds of birds chirping, whether that's listening to me chew on this podcast. <laughs> um, basically, whatever you're intaking as a person will come out in your output. I read somewhere that as people, we need these certain things to function. We need input, like someplace to read or intake ideas. We need be social and like socialize and talk about our ideas. And a lot of times the input often goes with internal time or time that you need alone. And then the last thing obviously that we need is an outlet or an output of some kind. So all of these different things work together in the snake formation in order to get to that output. So you're pooping, you're creating, (laughs) you are taking it, you're eating, you're visually eating everything around you. And then sometimes you just got to take a dump. Yeah, sometimes you just got to take a dump. I mean, I said in another episode that kind of my definition of art is a reaction to your inner and outer world. So kind of your experiences in the outside world and then how you consume them, how you kind of digest them. I guess we're going to just go with a lot of poop metaphors. (laughs) Yeah, I'm down. This is the poop cast. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) But yeah, it's a reaction to your inner and outer world. And your style, I believe personally, is kind of what you gobbled up. Things that have importance to you. Things that you find aesthetically pleasing. That you spend a lot of time looking at. Or maybe a lot of time trying to replicate. A lot of time just absorbing. And then it comes out in your own unique way. Yes. I feel like that is just so central to humanity, right? The reason why we have been so successful as a species, like it or not, is because of accumulated knowledge. Somebody made the wheel, so we don't have to do that shit. And it's the same with art. Somebody has made something. Maybe it was a cave painting. Maybe it was Renaissance art. Maybe it was the Baroque period. Maybe it was 19th century. So you can draw from all of these beautiful influences that have already been made. And you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can just kind of take all of this that's available to you and put it forth in a new way that you have personally interpreted. Yeah, like, hey, why reinvent the wheel? Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I do want to talk about um, the lineage of people that come into play with the idea of kind of just looking at what's around you and digesting that. Because if we compare that also to us as human beings, no face is original. No thing comes out of nowhere. We all evolve. We all have genetics. No one looks at your mom and dad and then looks at you and being like, um, I think that's a copy of those two people. <laughs> Basically, no matter what, we need multiple influences in order to create something new. And where that becomes something negative sometimes 
can be if it is directly copied. So I also want to talk a little bit about kind of the line blurring of those things. But before that, again, related to the lineage aspect of this, I wanted to read a quote from none other than Jay-Z. Oh, But his is from his perspective of obviously being raised in the black community. And he said, we were kids without fathers. So we found our fathers on wax and on the streets and in history. We got to pick and choose the ancestors who would inspire the world we were going to make for ourselves. So he's saying that essentially him and his community, they picked their own fathers. They picked their own influences. They chose what to intake and what to reject so that they could be the best artists and versions of themselves that they could. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I I recently read a quote, I don't know who from, but it said, we don't find ourselves, we make ourselves. Yeah. Because I think finding yourself is kind of passive, right? It's kind of like waiting for some external force to kind of magically manifest and show you the way and show you like who you really are. But making yourself means that you're an active participant in your own life and by extension, your own art. Yeah. Making yourself means that you're picking and choosing what you draw from and what you find inspiring and actively seeking out these things so that you're nourished. So it's important to be proactive in creating your voice, you know, be able to explore, create your own inspiration boards, go to museums, go to fashion shows, go to drama performances. You should always be intaking things that inspire you. Absolutely, yeah. And I have another quote actually by Mark Twain, and it says, It's better to take what does not belong to you than to let it lie around neglected. Mm. Um, And I thought that was nice, kind of like Tokyo Godfather's little sentiment. (laughs) Just like, take a baby off the street and raise it as your own. Yeah, just steal a baby! Why not? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, um... But yeah, I think it is better to utilize something than to let it die, because I think as artists or as people, all that we're worried about is like, not being remembered or not having a legacy like that i think is where the fear of death comes in if we're gonna get deep oh we're always deep in here though yeah diving into some shit yeah so i would say in that case like if something does inspire you or does interest you even if it's something that you might think is archaic i don't know roll with it get inspired by it i know that from a copyright perspective Things that are older than 50 years. I don't know if it's 50 years or 100 years, but in terms of 100 or something like that. Yeah, I think it is 100. But after 100 years, all copyright law on whatever was created before that becomes null. So you can do whatever the hell you want with it, which is just interesting to begin with, because I think it allows things that may have been lost to be recycled and reborn and have new takes on it. I mean, obviously, I don't know, in the form of music, you know, people are always sampling each other and stuff, but no one's really sampling a lot of Mozart other than Evanescence, so. <laughs> um, it, I fucking it, love that song, though. I know! Oh my god. Um, That's actually what introduced me to Mozart, of all fucking things. Really? Like my angsty-ass, like, 11-year-old self <laughs> heard Evanescence. <laughs> what a beautiful composition and then i discovered oh it's made by mozart and that's what kind of inspired like a love of classical music i 
Also, fun fact, I heard classical music in Hamtaro, Ham Ham Heartbreak, okay? One of the most beautiful, fun games for, um... <laughs> I fucking love this. For a Game Boy Advance that ever was. I loved that game so much. But yeah, it's wild how when you recycle kind of or sample things from pop culture things from the past i mean you never know what will inspire someone i got into opera because of grand theft auto 3 (laughs) (laughs) oh my god fuck yes (laughs) because i would like put on the opera station while working for the italian mafia and run people over in my black car I mean, oh that my god, that is that beautiful. Speak to my character. <laughs> <laughs> just like heavy opera playing in the background as you just like slaughter. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. I call it opera core. It's like really hard. You know, that is amazing. But yeah, I mean, as I said, Evanescence quite obviously got me into classical music as well. And it, like, yeah, you just you're just sitting around listening to Evanescence, and they're like. Oh, like they, oh, they sampled this artist named Mozart. Like maybe I should check him out. <laughs> is he recent? Can I, can I go to a concert? Yeah, can like what does he do? Like what's he all about? <laughs> wow, he's really up and coming. <laughs> that He had a movie, Amadeus, that was just made about him. It's like a documentary <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah, but... <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. Recycle stuff. Unfortunately, there's a quote by Pablo Picasso in here, who I know Uh, is a dick. Um, He's the worst. And, I mean, he boiled it down to just three words. Art is theft. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, T.S. Eliot had a more quantifying things to say about it, which I don't know if I necessarily agree with. But maybe we can talk about it. He did the whole like pitting artists against each other and like scaling them from good to bad. Just being like, he said, immature poets imitate, mature poets steal, bad poets deface what they take, and good poets make it into something better or at least something different. The good poet welds his theft into a whole of feeling, which is unique, utterly different from that which it was torn. I mean, T.S. Eliot had a lot of... I think he had a lot going on. I, <laughs> was he a dick too? Or was he crazy? Oh, well, I don't know about that, but if you read his poetry, you're just like, ooh, Eliot, who hurt you? Oh, is that... That's. Oh, no, I'm thinking of Robert Frost. <laughs> no, oh, no. <laughs> Those are wildly different poets. No, T.S. Eliot was like... This is the way the world ends. Not with a bang, but a whimper. Like that dude. Wow. You ever read that poem? What a, what a, what a flaccid, what a flaccid ass apocalypse that sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds so anticlimactic and sad. The dinosaurs went extinct with a bang. Yeah, they totally did. Why can't we get that? I mean, we might go extinct with a bang. We don't, we don't this t.s Eliot, yeah very presumptuous of you honestly predicting the end of humanity like that like who is he yeah jeez but yeah i mean i've gleaned a lot of classical things weirdly from video games that are totally unrelated to them 
It's really not, though, because I feel like people who are into games also have this, like, classical music association with them, you know? Yeah. Like, I think it's something to do with soundtracks. I feel like the more that you expose yourself, the more that you learn, the more information that you take in, the richer your art or poetry or dance or whatever the case for you might be. You're dumb. Because you're drawing from a... <laughs> you're dumb. All we humans, all we dance. <laughs> Because you're you're drawing from a greater artistic library, right? I mean, you're you're borrowing books from all over the place. Like for me, I'm very influenced and inspired by Gustav Klimt. I'm inspired by medieval art. Mm. I'm inspired by mm. the Baroque and Renaissance era, and that's kind of stuff that I try to replicate in my art. You know, my my I think my end goal with art is to make pseudo kind of Baroque illustrations, but with fantasy, like kind of I guess elevate fantasy from like oh elves to like something that maybe would hang in a museum i don't know your cat just moving across your screen just now oh my god yeah my my cat is just walking all over my relatable though i would say if we just combined like michelangelo and gta 3 like that's you So, yeah, I mean, but that's... I would be into it. That's what creates an artist's perspective, though. And I think... I forget where I read this. I swear I just have to mention Lady Gaga in every breath. Oh, but of course. You are Lady Gaga. I am. So, I mean, it's relevant. So, I think something that she is, like, quoted to have said, she read this book. God, I'm, like, forgetting the name of it now, but I bought it and I have it upstairs. In it, she, I guess, read that the most important thing to an artist is perspective. And if an artist doesn't have it, then the art doesn't really strike necessarily at least a wide audience because kind of the point of art is to bring a perspective to light you know it's to excite people about something they've never seen before and i just watched a ted talk actually last night called the art of being yourself (laughs) and it kind of talked about the same things and one of the things that it went into the most deeply was the fact that had like influencer after influencer after Steve Jobs, Mark Twain. Yes, it did include Lady Gaga. (laughs) All of these people up on the screen and she asked what all of these people had in common. And her answer was nothing because all of those people were able to find what was so themselves. That is why they became so well-known. That's why they were able to make such effective change is because it's not the jobs that we have that are born as a result of who we are. It's how we do those jobs. And it's how basically our personalities and who we are guides us through life. If something stops being for you, something, maybe it is a job, that's because you have grown or changed as a person and what once suited you does not anymore. And as you continue to get to know yourself, you continue to refine razor thin thing that is who you are. And it also mentioned that the people who are best at being themselves are people ages one through seven years old because they're oh, just so true yeah the, the that and then also the elderly because you just stop giving a 
a shit. That's exactly you, what she said. Stop yeah. giving a fuck and you're just yourself. <laughs> yeah, and you're just, you're also less willing to put up with certain things. Like, I know old people there just sometimes if you're just like, do you want to go outside? And they're like, no. <laughs> and you're like, um, okay. And you try to persuade them. And they're like, no, no, no. I don't want to do that. No. Like, they know what the fuck they want. And they don't really care about anyone else's reaction. And we, as the global populace, use words like eccentric or interesting to describe <laughs> the elderly. But those same exact words are used for people like Steve Jobs, like Mark Twain, like Lady Gaga, like they're the exact same words. It's just that because that age group is so good at being themselves, same with kids one through seven, we assign that to them as well. So it's as if, you know, any fucking old person or any person one through seven has this kind of unattainable thing that we are all vying for. And of course, like other influences like seep into who you are as a person there are so many things that make that up yeah i think we really just get kind of our individuality just crushed just fucking put through the meat grinder from the time that we enter school into the workforce and then once we're out of that grind we're free to be ourselves because we don't have to repress the parts of our personality to fit in and we don't give a shit about fitting in anymore we're just like i'm old i'm cranky i'm tired but yeah i think you ultimately as an artist have to follow the things that inspire you and create for yourself yeah don't create for other people just create for yourself especially when you're starting out because i feel like that's what gets you noticed right if you start off just copying other people, it feels disingenuous and it doesn't feel like you. And it's probably not sustainable in the long run for you. You'll probably get burnt out. I mean, I know when I try to work in a different style, whether it's popular or not, really, really just exhausting for me. And I find that I can't do it past a couple of pieces, if that. Um, so I can't imagine just basing an entire like online identity or artistic identity around that. Yeah, to be someone who is like quote-unquote original yeah that would be unsustainable and impossible yeah and just talking about the eccentricity factor as well even people who are eccentric once again like lady gaga she talked about how she kind of created that persona or that character and the fact is that for her it was not a character it was like who she actually was and she's quoted to say like oh when i was growing up all I wanted to do was just be like boy George <laughs> and she was like and she was like what like no one else here like wanted that either no okay and she was like well that's what I wanted and she was like and I felt like a freak I felt like disenfranchised I got bullied and so she created this character that was not herself that was not assigned to her name like Stephanie so that she could be all of those things she says like she wanted to be confident she wanted to be unapologetic she wanted to be this eccentric person because that's who inspired her and then slowly as she continued to play that character that became part of her and yeah she just said that everything that she does is a reference there's like all this stuff from her early days i'm sure people remember when she had like the poker face music video and had like the lightning bolt and stuff coming from her eye was that a david bowie reference yes, yes. it was a david bowie <laughs> reference david bowie reference and like that is the, literally when people dress up as lady gaga they're they put that lightning bolt on their face 
thinking that it's hers, but it is, it's David, it's a nod to David Bowie. And it's like, not hers, but because she interpreted it differently and did something different with it, it has a whole new meaning or connotation that is something with her. And as I said, she, she knows when she's referencing, she knows when she's not referencing, but whenever she is referencing, she knows what's behind it. And I think that is important as well. And I also have a quote in this book, ironically enough, that's from David Bowie. And it says, the only art I'll ever study is stuff that I can steal from. (laughs) So there you fucking go. There you go. I mean, it it ties back into and to what I said earlier about we don't find ourselves, we make ourselves, right? And I think yeah. Lady Gaga is the perfect example. I think when we talk about finding ourselves, we're talking about finding almost like a past self that we somehow buried and are nostalgic for. Yeah. But the reality is that the self is always changing and we have the power to change ourselves and we have mm. the power to like not necessarily just be content with the person that we've always been, but move and grow and go forward i mean i think that's the imperative and the beauty of the human condition right oh yeah and cognition is that we can be self-aware and we can change yeah i think people are searching for something like involuntary within themselves yeah i think they're just like who am i and like how do i know who i am (laughs) and one i think something that is really useful in finding out who you are like i think i was talking to my roommate brooke about this but she like came to me and was like asking me because i i don't know i feel like we go through surges of like really knowing who we are and like really not but when i first moved here to portland i just was like fucking thriving and i felt like i had a really good idea of of who i was and she was just kind of like how is that like how do you feel like you know those things and at the time i was like well i feel like people tell you all the time first of all that's one way people tell you all the time who you are people notice things about you and those things are reflected back at you in the form of people noticing those things being like, oh, you're really stubborn, or oh, you're really funny, or oh, you are, you have a lot to say, you talk a lot. People will tell you those things. And if they don't tell you, you can always ask them. You can be like, what do you notice about me? What is particularly different about me? Another way that I, that has been helpful in helping me to like hone and figure out who I am are the things that I like, regardless of time or place. So like, Regardless of where I am in my life, regardless of the location that I'm in, regardless of how old I am, what things keep me coming back? What things do I like always love to hear or listen to or see or watch? And those two things obviously really help. And I think the third element is exactly what you said, Kato, inventing the 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 missing pieces like every place that you want to improve or maybe you as I have said I struggle with on this podcast like maybe you are late a lot how can you change maybe certain involuntary things about yourself or things that people have told you about yourself and make them into things that you want do you put on crazy wigs, you know, like Gaga <laughs> and just be like, I'm just going to reject all of these, all this normalcy so that I can be the most fabulous version of myself. That's one way, you know, it's all about 
just deleting whatever obstacles are in your way in order to authentically be that person. And something else that I read on that or that I listened to on that podcast was about the fact that not everyone is looking at you or paying attention to you all the fucking time. Like, yes. No one oh gives a God. fuck. No yeah. one gives a shit. Like, they're more concerned about their own life, their kids, their job, their work, the stress and anxiety that, that they have. They're not thinking about you necessarily, which is, you know, really depressing. <laughs> I feel, but it's also a relief, right? It's a, it's a double-sided coin. And I kind of just wanted to go back to the point you made about people yeah. kind of pointing out who you are. I do want to say the kind of add this little addendum that like you should always check your source, right? That's true. You should always check who on earth is telling you this. Are they a toxic, shitty, negative person? Or are they a person that loves you and cares about you and is honest with you? Because always listen to that part, the kind. Yeah. Listen to that person. Don't listen to the shitty, toxic piece of shit person. So just just a word of caution, right? That's very true because there could there could be unwanted things, you know? And that's another thing. You can control the things that you tell yourself. And I've actually been doing this. I mean, the advice that you gave about, you know, fixing kind of your lateness was really great. I've been doing that too. I've been being like, I'm going to really enjoy teaching my student. I'm going to really enjoy teaching my student. I'm going to go to do blah, 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 Aaron. I'm going to enjoy folding laundry. I'm going to get this out of the way so that I have free time, et cetera, et cetera. And I find myself actually doing it instead of just being like, oh, I hate everything. (laughs) The resistance, the like voice of resistance that like comes up anytime you want to do something you have to do. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like you have to brainwash yourself. <laughs> oh, you totally do. It's very active. <laughs> and honestly, it's a mentally taxing thing. And you do have to be a mental coach to yourself. Of course, sometimes you get so good at it that maybe you're not even thinking about it anymore. But like the first times you start to do that, it does feel like excruciating. And it feels very strange and plastic and weird. But the more that you do it, and the more that you just say to yourself, like, the same things and kind of brainwash yourself, you find yourself doing these things. Like, it really works. Oh, yeah. I know. I haven't been late to work in, like, actually late. Like, I've been, I think I was three minutes late one day in the last three weeks and two minutes late another day. So I have not been over, like, five minutes late or over in the past three weeks because I just I wake up and knowing in my head that I am the type of person that is on time or early and yeah that has helped me tremendously and actually something that I did today because I have that Mel Robbins like five second journal uh, and it tells you it has like this little confidence corner section where it like challenges you to do something And today it said, write a positive affirmation in your Google calendar that will pop up every day for you to like wake up to. And my affirmation, just because I, as I've said before, I like struggle with affirmations and I'm always like, I don't know. Do I say like, you're really good. Like you're good at art. Like (laughs) keep going. Like, or that I struggle to find things that motivate me like that. I feel like I react more so on my emotions than on these 
quote unquote affirmations that I can easily just be like, that's not true. Like, you know, like, <laughs> wrong. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> so the affirmation that I wrote to pop up in my calendar every day when I wake up, even when I like go to work is I'm grateful I can create. Yeah, so I'm gonna see it every day, because I feel like it that promotes a feeling in like an emotion in me that makes me feel safe creating and working. And I am more of an emotional, like empathetic type of thinker. I was actually talking to people recently about the ways that you speak to yourself in your head, and the fact that I don't really speak to myself in my head in words. I don't. Are you like that? Mm, that's so interesting. <laughs> yeah, I talk to myself in words. I'm like. Some days it's like, you're a piece of shit and your art sucks. And blah, and then other days it's like, oh, you're awesome. And you could do anything you want. And da, da, da. Whoa. I would get so annoyed with myself. <laughs> I'd be like, shut the <laughs> fuck up. Like, I'm trying to think. Like, Jesus. I, I just get like urges and emotions. I'm just like, oh, like, I just suddenly am just like, ooh, laundry. Better. Like, but it's not words. I feel like that's why I have a hard time talking is because a lot of times <laughs> I am just trying to like verbalize emotions all the fucking time. That is so interesting because I just I guess you assume that other people think in the same way that yeah. you do. So like I always assume that everybody else has like a very intense constant inner dialogue going on. It's almost like I just have conversations oh with myself. Oh my god. Like I would be so annoyed it's like i just have this really annoying oh roommate God. in my head that doesn't go i away. would just be straight up i would just be in public just like shut up like <laughs> fucking crazy i do get a lot of mental imagery as well like if i listen to music for example it's almost like there's a music oh video yeah yeah, yeah. like scenes or um, i don't know it's just wild. that is like the creator meme that is like the comic illustration artists just like listening to a song and giving it a video in your head like <laughs> it's yes. just so universal i feel like also when you imagine things like an apple do you think of them clearly like and very crisply or are they like a gray color or just a silhouette or not detailed they're very crisp that's how mine are too because there is a scale that people that someone's created based cool. on like what you imagine when you visually picture something. And sometimes people literally can't do that. Yeah, some people don't have an inner dialogue or, or, or visual thoughts or any of that. I forget the name for it, but it's like an actual yeah, condition. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that was just random, mm -hmm. but like yeah. <laughs> kind of cool. Yeah, just a, just a random tangent there. But yeah, I mean, I think it's important to kind of follow stream of consciousness sometimes, oh, yeah. right? And explore different avenues of yes, thought. Yes, that is so true. I have yeah. another quote. And it says, what is originality? Undetected plagiarism. That was William <laughs> Ralph Inge or Inge or something. Some 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 pronunciation of I-N-G-E. I love that. And it's so true because when I make art, I'm constantly looking at references, right? I'm constantly, all of my knowledge is based off something that somebody else did. Somebody dissected a body and did a medical illustration of the anatomy books that I see. I've studied statues made by other people. I've studied other people. A lot of the times when I'm doing my demon series, there's a lot. I, I don't know why I just draw them all naked. 
I'm like, there's no clothes in hell, right? <laughs> so I look at a lot of acrobats and I look at Ooh. a lot of male or female ballerinas, especially when they're in like really tight clothes or shirtless or whatever, to see the musculature yes. and the pose. So I'm constantly referencing something. So, I mean, if you really boil it down, nothing I make is original. It's, it's all derivative. Yeah. Yet I've made something original. Yeah, and I was also interested, this book talks about things in regards to like a family tree, and not so much, as I said, we were, we were kind of comparing genetics to like artistic inspiration, but like following your family tree up and figuring out who the people you are inspired by were inspired by, and continuing that up the line. And that's just something, honestly, that I have like, kind of naturally done if I find out someone I really look up to is interested in something or someone I will listen to that thing or watch or read that thing or yeah view it or something but it's really cool to follow that upwards because then I think you become more authentically the parts of them that inspired you in the first place it's going through a similar lens yeah totally I mean it makes sense that if you're inspired by somebody who is inspired by something who is inspired by somebody else like following that train is just a really interesting yeah <laughs> I like the description of family tree that's so interesting yeah follow the yellow brick road beach I love it <laughs> I love that. So, I mean, I think a big takeaway is being proactive, right? Being proactive and creating your voice, not just kind of letting things randomly come to you or slap you in the face or just kind of drifting aimlessly and being like, eh, well, I don't know what my style is or I don't know. Like, go find something. Like, there is absolutely something that inspires you. And if you can't think of something right now, Look to what inspired you as a kid and go back to that. I mean, I think one of the things that made me want to be a fantasy artist were the Lord of the Rings movies. I mean, I remember having my fucking mind blown when I saw The Return of the King um, and Eowyn fucking killed the Nazgul and and like, I mean, sorry, the, the, the Witch King of Angmar and like his fell beast. Like that shit was just like amazing to me. The CGI was amazing. The practical effects were amazing. The battles, like the mood... I just, I remember, oh my God, like I can remember that day so clearly. I was, I think I was like seven or eight and I went to the theater and it was late, way past my bedtime. And I was just so hyped and I couldn't sleep all night. And then for weeks and weeks and weeks, I just drew dragons afterward. Yes. And like, it still brings me so much excitement to think of it. It's still one of my favorite movies. And I know I can always go back to that as a source of inspiration. Hell yeah. Another thing also in regards to just consuming lots of different things. I've read a lot of different places. Finding your style. Because I, I wanted to also talk about style. A lot of advice I've heard is finding it on purpose. Like whatever you are inspired by. I've heard a lot about like do master studies of artists that you really love and like find what it is about their style that you love and how you can incorporate those things more purposefully to invent something that's your own. And of course do it for like not just three artists, but like 10 and figure out what parts of their work that you love. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I do master studies and they're so helpful. I mean, I cannot emphasize enough how helpful they are because 
again, they're masters. They've already invented the wheel for you. So all you have to do is look at the parts of their art that were really effective and were really are really inspiring to you. Like I've done Caravaggio studies. I've done John Singer Sargent studies. I did John Singer Sargent for his portraiture and his skin tones. And I did Caravaggio for his lighting. I learned so much from just a single yeah, master yeah. study. Yeah, with that, I think I've got a couple more quotes I want to share just kind of like rapid firing one is steal from anywhere that resonates with inspiration or fuels your imagination devour old films new films music books paintings photos poems dreams random conversations architecture bridges street signs (laughs) trees clouds bodies of water light and shadows select only things to steal from that speak directly to your soul if you do this, your work and theft will be authentic. And I was just also looking at the title of one of the chapters, which is Write the Book You Want to Read. Yes, I love that. It's, I mean, I've heard something similar where it's create what you want to see in the world. Oh, yes, yes. I love that quote so much. And that is the thing that I apply every time I sit down. I'm like, what do I want to see in the world? I know, at least for me, I want to see more like, people of color characters. I want more monsters. I want more LGBT characters. You know, I kind of have this pipe dream of like um, eventually working on my own game or publishing my own novel or something and featuring characters who are like me or my friends that I didn't have growing up. Hell yeah. Like another thing that Brooke was talking to me about or asking me about um, was just about style and she you know asked like what do you think what kind of questions should I be asking myself like in regards to art and the first thing that came to mind because I tend to like such like radical artists that have such strong perspectives I said what how do you want the world to change as a result of your art Um, so I think asking yourself that question is very cool and helpful too. I have a couple, here are a couple more quotes. One is from Glenn O'Brien. It says, you start out as a phony and become real. So like the more you do, you know, and the more you act on those things. And this one is from Yoji Yamamoto. And it says, start copying what you love. Copy, copy, copy. At the end of the copy, you will find yourself. And it's so true with every master study with you do with every inspiration booklet that you create with every vision board, with every whatever, I mean, you find yourself more and more. Yeah. You find the things that really appeal to you. You kind of pick and choose and you make something completely new. I mean, art is a remix, right? Yeah, exactly. Something else that is helpful in this remix idea there's like a little exercise in here and it's like gather the branches on your tree gather all these things that you're inspired by and like put like three of them together and create this little like exercise maybe find like nine artists total and put three randos together in the list and figure out what they would make and that might inspire you to come up with an idea that you would like to make just based on what three of your favorite artists could make together what have you always wanted them to do together or work on together? And then I, this leads me to the good theft versus bad theft, which just has like a word list. And I think it's the most helpful like bullet list that there is just because 
they they're just like these bulleted words that are kind of like opposite and it tells you how to steal in a positive way that gives credit to your influencers and that's actually one of the words the good theft is credit and the bad theft is plagiarize the difference between those two care care to enlighten us so i think let's start with plagiarism right plagiarism is just a direct copy of something yes it's not a reinterpretation of something it's not your own take on something it's just you found an image and you traced it and you're calling it yours and you're not giving any credit to the original artist and you're not really learning anything from it necessarily yeah because you're just kind of doing an exact carbon copy and to me it's different from a master study because a master study is involved right yeah you're starting from scratch you're starting from the ground up you're not just kind of i don't know tracing something you know yeah 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 Rats giving credit and paying like kind of homage to something is different and it's it's like it's like lady gaga and her little lightning ball it's like a clear homage to david bowie and she's not claiming that she was the one that did that exactly yeah i i think a good sign as well is like being happy to talk about your influences right not just being like oh well it was it was mine, all mine. Like, I'm always happy to talk about my influences. I think my top influences are Gustav Klimt, Francisco Goya, Baroque, Renaissance, like I said before, kind of Art Nouveau. And I mean, yeah, I could go on and on about it. <laughs> yeah, I think that the word plagiarize also implies that you're breaking the law. Yeah, I know. It's terrible. But essentially, if they're, if people get the feeling that you have not changed something enough, it's going to rub them the wrong way. And that is where plagiarization comes into play. But I'll just run down the list. So good theft versus bad theft. I'm just going to list the words in like a, a versus format. So honor versus degrade. Study versus skim. Steal from many versus steal from one transform versus imitate and remix versus rip off yes <laughs> so true so it's kind of ultimately about picking and choosing what you like and then smashing them together into your own new recipe yes perspective baby and it doesn't have to be just your perspective it can be the perspective of the backs of the people that you are standing on that can be the perspective that you have or that you take can be influenced by theirs and you know that's okay because it helps for you to form yours it's all about just the orientation of where you are your mentality what you want to come into your work saying and you know being unapologetic about that and about the goals that you want to make in your art absolutely i mean i think that's a beautiful kind of closing right yeah all right guys well yeah so remember to steal like an artist that's right and in the spirit of stealing i'm gonna steal gato's lines the point the point is not to be the next visionary. The point is to be true to your interests and values. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. Beep, beep.
We need to edit in some like air horns or something. I know for the end. <laughs> oh, we'll see you guys next time. All right, guys. Yeah, thanks for listening. It's always a pleasure. See you next week, guys.